How are you all doing today? Wow, that was, that was super positive. <laughs> I think that um, if I'm honest with myself, and if you're probably honest with yourself, I think there's a whole lot of um, weariness, tiredness out there at the moment, isn't there, in our lives? Yeah, would that be an honest assumption for most of us, uh, a tiredness and a weariness? No, just me. You can talk to me. It's family, yes? And so I think that in the season of, of where there seems to be a tiredness and a weariness for us, we have to be super intentional about connecting with God. Because the joy of the Lord is our... Yeah. Those who wait upon the Lord shall be... They shall mount up with... Come on. So we have to be really, really intentional because the Bible says you will reap a reward if you don't give up in your weariness. And so we just, we just need to be really intentional. It doesn't mean that we have to be all rah-rah and jumping up and down and hyped all up. It just means we've got to be really intentional and just go, you know what, I am feeling a bit tired. I am feeling a bit weary in this season. So I'm going to push in, not pull back. All right? Push in, not pull back. And so I want to encourage you to do that. It's been great to do this series. How many people have enjoyed the series so far of Who Do You Think You Are? How many people have had somebody say to you recently, Who Do You Think You Are? Anybody? Yeah? Did you say back to them, I'm an ambassador? And they're like, what the heck are you talking about? So the first thing that we talked about, right, was that we're an ambassador. And the Bible says that you are Christ's ambassador, which means that you are the representation of heaven on earth, which means that you come with the authority of heaven behind you. Isn't that a good thing? That you're just not a nobody, but you're actually a somebody, that you're an ambassador. The next thing we talked about was that the Bible says that you are Christ's masterpiece, that you're not just something that put together, you weren't your mum and dad's idea, you were God's idea, created in his image, in the image of him, he created us, which makes us a masterpiece And our value is not what we do, but our value is in who created us. And and we understand that in the art world, you know, if I paint something, you're going to probably pay nothing for it. But if Picasso paints something, you're going to pay millions for it. And, And we are valuable because we carry the signature of God upon our lives. And that word masterpiece literally means that we're a poetic statement of the glory of God. How cool is that? And, and I want to encourage your husbands, it's a really good compliment to pay your wife. You know, when you look at her, babe, you're a poetic statement of the glory of God. You know, it's, it's just, I'm just trying to help some marriages out in the room. And uh, rather than telling her she looks like a hot mess, just, just say that, you know. It's really important. And then last week we talked about that you are an overcomer. And you are an overcomer not because of what you have done, but because of the position you hold in Christ. And that we are above and not beneath, yeah? And that word overcomes means that we vanquish to basically non-existence the enemy around us. And, and these are all the things that the Bible says that we are. And I don't know about you, but I, I kind of like the idea of being an ambassador. I kind of like the idea of being a masterpiece. And I, kinda, and I like the idea of being an overcomer. Does anybody else like those ideas? And then this week, Jesus says this in Matthew 5.13, you are the salt of the earth. I don't think I've ever had somebody come up to me and go, man, you're salt. 
It's not really a compliment, eh? You don't, you, guys, don't do that at home. Don't say to your wife, you're salt. Especially don't say you're salty because that could be problematic for you. That you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. In other words, if salt loses its ability to do what salt does, basically just throw it on the ground and let people walk all over it. I I don't know about you, but uh, I used to read that and go, you are the salt of the earth, and not really have a clue about what that really meant, and I wasn't even sure if that was a good thing. Because how many people know the right amount of salt on an eiffelet steak just lifts it to another level? The wrong amount of salt just like just destroys it, yes? And so is that a good thing or is it a bad thing? Well, in the context of what Jesus was speaking and his listeners or the people of the time that Jesus was speaking this to, they understood the importance of salt because salt was uh, one of the most important commodities that they had at that time. In fact, what they believed was that the sun was the most important thing because the sun brings warmth, it helps things to grow, and salt was considered second most important commodity that you could have at the time because of all the things that salt could do before we had refrigeration and all the other fancy conveniences and modern conveniences that we have. Salt was so important to people. In fact, in ancient Rome, here's some history lesson for you, people were quite often paid for their work with salt. So you go to work, and at the end of your working week, you wouldn't get paid money, you get paid salt, right? So, you know, you'd sit down and obviously do an employment contract and you would sit down and go, I reckon I'm worth two bags of salt a week. And the guy would go, oh, maybe one. And you negotiate, yeah? But you're, you were paid in salt. You weren't necessarily paid in money. You would receive salt. And that's why we get that phrase that we also, not worth their salt, That's where you get the phrase, because the person's labor or their work was valued, the value of it was valued by how much salt they got. So when we have that phrase, he's not worth salt or she's not worth salt, what they're saying is that they're not worth the value of their work. Has anybody heard that saying before? Yeah, not worth his salt. So what does salt do? There there are five things that salt does. Salt preserves. It keeps things preserved. Salt purifies. Salt creates a thirst. If you have too much salt, you're going to get thirsty. That's why they say when you're shipwrecked on the ocean, don't drink the salt water. Okay? Just saved your life if you ever get shipwrecked. Salt melts. Hence why we put salt on icy roads, because it helps the ice to melt. So salt melts things, and salt heals. We, we, you know, if you've ever... um, I, when I was younger, I used to get ingrown, ingrown toenails all the time. Anybody had those? Aren't they the most painful thing ever? And then I had to go to the, to the doctor and he cut a big V in it and, to take the pressure off. But then I had to soak it in a salt bath two times a day. Why? Because the salt helps it to heal. So how do we put that into the context of us? Like when God says, you are the salt of the earth. Well, if salt preserves spiritually, 
eternal life is what we're after. That the salt of the earth helps people to find eternal life, which preserves their life. Salt purifies. We live in an impure world, but we are to be agents of purification. Everywhere we go, we should help bring purity in the world. Salt creates a thirst where our lives should impact people to such a degree that they get thirsty for what we have, and that is Jesus Christ, yeah? Salt melts, which is the hard heart of people. When Christ's love gets into people's lives, it melts the hard-heartedness of people's lives. Salt heals people that have been hurt by religion, been hurt by people. Well, Christ comes and Christ, through us, heals. And so all those natural things all have spiritual impact. When he says that you are the salt of the earth, these are the things that we are. Are you with me? He goes on and he says in verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a lamp and put a put on a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. First of all, your salt and now your light. In the context of what Jesus was talking about in this day and age and their homes that were built, they only had one window. They didn't have any other windows at all in the house. The way that they built them back then, they only had one window and and at the, you can imagine how dark that gets at the end of the day, yeah? And so at the end of the day, they would get this candle and they would light the candle. And they didn't have, they didn't have um, lighters and they didn't have matches. And so there's a bit of work involved in getting their candle lit so that it can bring light to the house so they're not tripping over each other. But because it would take so much to get that candle going and get the light going that if they went out, what they would do is I'd put a bowl over the top of it with a hole in the top so that the candle could breathe, but that the light wouldn't get blown out. So when they come home from wherever they are, they can lift the bowl off and it brings light to the whole house again because they put so much work into getting it lit. They didn't want it to just be blown out. They couldn't leave, and so they would put a bowl over it. And what Jesus is saying here is he's saying that when you're in a house... The normal thing is when you are home, you you never put a bowl over the light because you want the light to fill the house. You want the benefit of the light in the whole house. And Jesus is relating this to you and I as followers of Christ and saying, hey, 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 we're meant to shine. We're not meant to put a bowl over everything that God is doing in our world. We're meant to shine. We're meant to be light that brings light, the benefit of light, to all the darkness around us. Matthew 5.16 says, in the same way, let your light shine before men. In other words, don't, don't cover it up. Let the light, let what God has done in your life, let the light of God that's on the inside of you, let it shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You are the salt of of the earth, and you are the light of the world. Who do you think you are? I am the salt of the earth, and I am the light of the world. And because you are light, you don't run from darkness, you run to darkness, because wherever the light appears, darkness disappears. Are you with me? 
Uh, we are not called to shrink back. We're not called to, to hold on until Jesus comes back by the skin of our teeth, hiding in our cupboard away from this whoa, wicked world. No, no, no. We're meant to go into it and shine light where it's darkness. Paul said it this way. He says, where, where sin abounds, the grace of God abounds all the more. In other words, wherever it is the worst in the world is where God shines the greatest in the world, but it requires us to be that light. We're not called to hide away. We're not called to stay within these four walls, but we're called to get out there and we're called to shine in the darkness. And because you are salt, we don't run from the impurities, but we run towards them as a change agent to bring purity to it. You know, the Bible says this, that, that the devil is like a roaring lion that goes around looking who may devour. The Bible also says that he's toothless, so he's got no teeth. He's just got a roar. Most of us, including myself, whenever a lion would roar at you, you'd probably run away from the roar, not to the roar. You would run. I've seen lions in real life up close in South Africa. You don't go up and pat them. You stay in your car with your windows up and you just don't go near them. But there's a story of a guy called Benaiah in the Bible, and it says that Benaiah, on a snowy day, went down into a pit and killed a lion. So they made this pit. The lion fell into the pit. Everybody's safe. And Benaiah goes, I've got an idea. It's a snowy day. There's mud everywhere. What I might do is go down into the pit and kill the lion. I would be like, just leave it alone. It can't get out. It's not hurting anyone. Just leave it alone. Why would you go into that pit? Are you stupid? Are you mental? Do you have a problem? What is your issue, bro? It's there. It's not hurting anyone. Just leave it alone. It's slippery. You, you are insane. What is wrong with you? But Benaiah had a spirit on the inside of him that says, man, I don't run from roars. I run to roars. I run towards the roar. And what, what Jesus is saying here is, is light doesn't shrink back. Light pushes forward. Light invades darkness. Darkness doesn't invade light. Just go home tonight and about 10 o'clock at night, turn all, the, turn all the lights off in your house except for one and see if the darkness can invade the light in that one room. It can't do it. But as soon as you flick the switch on in all the other rooms, the darkness flees. And Jesus is saying we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the world. We're here as a representation of him. And your life should make a difference in the lives of those around you. Oh, but I, I, I don't really feel like I'm light. In fact, if you look at me, I feel a little bit heavy. I don't feel like light. I don't feel like salt. I don't feel like I'm that kind of a person. Here's the thing. Truth doesn't care about your feelings. And the truth is, Jesus says, if you're a follower of me, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. That's who you are. And so we have to let our light shine. And here's, here's where I think followers of Christ or Christians, if you want to call it that, have got it wrong. You don't have to force your light to shine it. 
Yeah? So some of the problem that I think that we have is we have people that like to force their light upon people and they stand on street corners on Queen Street with a bullhorn going, you filthy rotten sinner, you're going to hell. And all I want to do is just punch those people in the face. Because that's not, light is not, when I turn the light on in my room, it's not like it aggressively goes after the darkness. It just turns up. Jesus didn't aggressively go after sinners. He just got into their environment and just let his light shine. When he ate with the sinners and the prostitutes, he wasn't pointing out all their faults. In fact, what he was doing was pointing out the faults of the religious people who were outside of the house, not the people that were inside the house. He just let his light shine naturally. You don't have to force your light to shine Because it's not actually you that's shining, but Christ and what Christ has done in you that shines through you. It's a natural overflow of your relationship with God that shines into those around us. Like it says in Matthew 16, in the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. In other words, just be natural with what God has done in your life, just let that shine out of you in your actions, in your attitudes. And then people will be like, man, look at those incredible things coming out of that person's life. And it will point them towards Jesus. I think the greatest story of of this in actuality is in in, uh, Acts chapter 16. We have Paul and Silas who have been preaching the gospel all day. They have been Uh, witnessing to people, leading people to Christ. And then some guys get upset with them for doing that. And so they, they catch them and they beat them and they whip them and then they put them into prison. And what started off as a good day ended up in a really, really bad day. And they're in prison and they're chained in prison. They've been beaten. They've been whipped you know, they're, they're, they're trying to shine their light and, and all this stuff took place. And then all of a sudden, they decide in the middle of this catastrophized moment or this catastrophe that was before them, they decided, hey, let's have a praise and worship session. And because their, their arms were chained to the wall, they didn't have any guitars or drums or anything, but they did have some jingle in the chains. And so, you know, they just kind of got it going. And I'm not sure what song they sang, but because it was a long time ago, maybe it was something like this. This is the day, this is the day. That's the old version of our new version. I don't know what it was that they sang, but they, they start to have this praise and worship party inside the prison. They were just letting their light shine in the darkest of places. And the Bible says that what happens is this massive earthquake takes place. Like God turns up, it takes place, all the prison doors fly open. And then they're in this kind of scenario where, where they could escape. And we're going to have a look what happens later, but they, they don't escape. The only thing, the way that I can describe what's happening in this story with Paul and Silas is, it's, is they're just reflecting Jesus. In the darkest of places, they're just reflecting Jesus. You know, sometimes we can look at the moon and we go, Isn't the moon shining bright today? But the moon isn't shining. The moon is just reflecting. The moon is reflecting the sun. 
you and I reflect the sun. It's, it's not us shining, it's him shining through us. We're reflecting him into the world around us. There's two reasons that your light may not be shining if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian. There's two reasons why you may not be shining your light. The first one is, is that you're just hiding it. You've actually got it under a bowl. And my prayer for you today would be that you take the bowl off and let God shine through you. The second reason why you may not be shining your light is because Satan's actually blowing it out. The enemy is coming after you and he's blowing it out. And my prayer for you today and for those that are hiding it, my prayer is that the Spirit of God would reignite a fire in your heart that you would let it shine, that you would let it shine anywhere, anytime, all the time. Why? Because that's who you are. If you are a follower of Jesus, it's not about just coming to church. It's not about just turning up to and doing this, that, and the other thing, and I've done my bit. No, no, no. When you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, you have been transformed by Him, and anywhere, all of the time, He is in the front of your mind, not the back of your mind, and it is our greatest joy and greatest pleasure in life to reflect the love of God everywhere we go, just like it was for Paul and Silas. And it goes on in the story in verse 26 of Acts 16. It says, Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought all the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. Now, I think that this is an amazing situation because I can tell you, if I was in this situation and the doors flung open, the chains fell off, I wouldn't be, I'm here. I would be, I'm out of here. I would be getting the heck out of there, wouldn't you? You'd be like, thank you, Lord. And out you would go. You would, you would take off. In fact, I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend one second thinking about the jailer. It's like, you're the one that put me in here. You probably did harm to me while I was in here. I don't care what happens to you. I'm gone. Am I the only one that thinks that way? You're all good Christian people. I'll be, I'm out of here, man. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sticking around. And unfortunately, today, this is what most Christians do. They look at people and they go, ooh, darkness, secular music, alcohol drinking. They have tattoos, piercings, spiky hair. Look at them sinners at the bar. And what they do is they run from that. They run away. I've said this before and I'll say it again. We have been taught holiness wrong. We, we have been taught that holiness is to be set apart. And so we think that, that the further away we are from people, the holier we are. So, so we've got Rimmer here who's a filthy, rotten sinner. 
And we think that the only way to be holy is to get as far away from him as possible. The further we are away from him, the more holier we have become because we are set apart. And so therefore, I'm, I'm now getting holier and holier because I'm further away from him. It's right. Remember, we'll cope with this. It's just an illustration. He's not really a filthy, rotten sinner. On Sundays anyway, he's, he's, he's all right. And so we've been taught that the further we get away from somebody, the holier we are. Here's the problem. If that is your idea of holiness, then Jesus was unholy. Because Jesus went to the sinners and the prostitutes and tax collectors, because they're worse, and they hang out with them. Why? Because they didn't, their darkness didn't affect his light. His light affected their darkness. And hence why you had people come out from having dinner with him and says, I'm going to pay back four times everything I've ever stolen from anybody. Not because Jesus told him he had to, but because Jesus' light shined in their darkness and it overcame the darkness and the darkness didn't overwhelm him. His holiness overwhelmed them. And we're called to be the light where we and what we carry and what God has placed on in us isn't overcome by darkness, but it actually overcomes darkness and sets people free. What these guys did is they didn't run from it. They stuck around. They said to the guys about to harm himself, oh, don't do that. Don't kill yourself. We're still here. We haven't gone anywhere. In, in, this, in this time where just before they've been beaten and whipped and they're in prison and at a time where you would think they'd want to get out of there and, and do some self-care, all they're doing is thinking about the jailer. All they're doing is showing love of God to the jailer. That's what they did. They decided in that moment, we're not going to run away. We're going to be salt and light. In this situation, they showed love to this guy, an incredible act of love that I wouldn't have done. You see, we've heard the statement before, but it's so true that most people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And in this scenario, Paul and Silas decided to show incredible care and love towards the jailer. They simply loved on him and they said, man, man, don't hurt yourself. It's okay, we didn't leave, we're still here. It's amazing, I believe, what can happen when you see darkness as an opportunity for your light to shine. I think it's amazing what can happen when we don't see darkness as a threat, but we see it as an opportunity for God to do something, for God to move, for God to have his way, for God to transform lives. The second thing I want to say this morning is that your salt and light living actually changes lives. The story goes on in verse 29. It says the jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell, trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. In other words, he comes falling into where they are, falling at their feet, trembling. And really what he's saying here is he's saying, I want what you have. I want what you have. I want what's on your life. 
You see, they had created a thirst in the sky. And he's like, man, I've seen what you did today. I saw you preach today. I saw you beaten today. I saw you whipped today. I saw you imprisoned today. And then I saw you worship today. And I, and I saw that and I heard you. And now I've seen God act on your behalf. And now I want what you have. How do I get that? And they basically say, you just got to call upon the name of the Lord, call upon this name and you will be saved. The Bible says as those that call upon the name of the Lord will be a new creation. Behold, the old has gone and the new has come. Call on him and, and, God, and you will become God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. Call on him and you'll become an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Call upon him and you'll become an ambassador, God's highest ranking diplomat sent from heaven to earth. You'll become the salt of the earth. You'll become the light of the world. When you call on him, you will never ever be the same because that's who you become when you call upon the name of the Lord. That's who you are. You are not your faults. You are not your mistakes. You are not your failings. You are Christ's ambassador. You are his masterpiece. You are his overcomer on earth and you are salt and light to the world around us. That's who you are. That's who we created you to be. It goes on in verse 32 and it says, they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his whole family were baptized. I love that. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole family. Now you've got to understand in Jewish culture, whole family is not mum, dad, and their kids. Whole family is mum, dad, kids, uncle, aunties, cousins, next door neighbors, cats, owner. Like it's everybody. You know, I, I had the opportunity this year to go to Turkey with someone to, to do some ministry, and, and that's not going to happen this year. Hopefully, another time it will. And, and, the, and the man that we've kind of built relationship with there, another pastor, he's Turkish, and he wanted us to go to Turkey to minister to his family, and he said, you can stay in our house. And I'm like, I'm talking to the, the pastor that's befriended this guy, and I'm saying, I'm not really sure I can kind of justify you know, going to my board and saying, hey, would you pay for an airfare for me to go to Turkey so I can minister to mum and dad and a couple of kids? And he goes, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. It'll be like 400 people. It's his family. It's his whanau, not his mum, dad, and two kids. When I went to, to Vietnam once, a, a, a youth pastor there said, can you come and minister to my family in my, in my home village? And I said, yes, I have time. I can come and do that. And so I went into the home village, and there were 600 people there. Our families are too small. <laughs> I hope they don't have to buy Christmas presents for all of them. Here's the thing of what I'm trying to say, hopefully, to you today. Is when you know him, like Paul and Silas did, when you know him, not, not when you go to church, not when you tick the box because I prayed today, read my Bible today, served today, gave today, turned up to church today, 
No, 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 not those things. All those things are really important, but when you know him. What do you mean? Well, there's a, there's a scripture, scary scripture in the Bible that says, but we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name, we healed the sick in your name, and Jesus' response to them is, get away from me, I never knew you. Why? Because Jesus is about relationship, not about what you do. And when you really know him, when you really know him, you will naturally be salt and light. You can't stop it from happening. It will just naturally happen. And in my experience, I found that salt and light works best over a long period of time. Sometimes we go into situations and we just want instantaneous transformation. We think evangelism is McDonald's. We place the order, dear Jesus, please save my family. Then we drive up to the drive-thru. We pay the price by bringing up the uncomfortable conversation that it may be with your friends and family, and you pay the price of that uncomfortableness. And then you go through to the takeaway counter, and you think that you're going to walk away with a room full of salvations. I don't know very often where God has done anything really suddenly. I know you say, oh, yeah, but in the book of Acts, it said suddenly, like a rushing wind, the Holy Spirit came and sat on their heads like fire. Yeah. Sudden to them, God actually prophesied it 400 years earlier in the book of Joel. The best way for salt and light to have an effect is over a long term, not a short moment. We are not drive-through Christianity And some of you, you've got somebody that you gave up on a long time ago. And here's my challenge to you. Don't give up. Keep being salt. Keep being light. Keep being love and grace to that person. Don't run away from the darkness. Shine into it with the love of Christ. Can I just, can I just put a precursor in that? If you can't handle the darkness, in other words, if you can't handle going into that environment without it affecting you, then stay away until you are mature enough in your walk that when you walk into that situation, it doesn't affect you, but you infect it. Okay? That's just a little thing. Because I watch somebody go, ah, 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 and it's, I've seen that, and it doesn't work well. God created you to be salt and light. God created you to make a difference in the world. And the amazing thing about the story with the jailer is this, is that when you understand the history of that region, one of the churches that is most famous in the New Testament, the church of Philippi, the book of Philippians is the, is the letter written to the church of Philippi. And there are many, many historians that believe that this single event that happened with the jailer and his family is, was the beginnings of the church in Philippi, that it brought about the birth of the church in Philippi. Two people sharing with one guy whose whole family was changed overflowed into a church that impacted that entire region for years and years and years to come. Why? Because they are called to be salt and light to the world around us. You are not just a regular Christian who goes to church 
and believes moral things. You are a divine change agent. And where you go, light goes with you. Salt goes with you. You are not a nobody. You are not underneath those things, but you are above those things, not because of your goodness, but because of the goodness of God that shines in you and through you into the world around you. And, and, and where we make the mistake is that we, we get caught up in thinking that it's about us and what we've done and, and whether we've been good this week and whether we've you know, got stars on our star chart this week in heaven and we've done all the right things. No, no, no. When you are a follower of Christ, when you carry around the same power that raised Christ from the dead on the inside of you, that light shines in you and it shines out of you, not because of your good deeds, but because of his good deed towards you and all of humanity. And that's how they come to know him because you shine. You're like, wow, I've got, I've got faults and I've got failings. You know what? Light shines best through our cracks. The most expensive vase that you can buy in the world is a vase that's pure, pure glass that they take into a black room and then they smash the vase and then piece it back together with gold. And when you put a light inside it, it shines out through all the gold fragments. You, my friend, may have smashed your life, but when God puts you back together again with the blood of Jesus, when the light shines on the inside of you, it shines out through all of those cracks, but it shines out via the blood of Christ that has covered and forgiven you of all your sin. And that's the light that then impacts others and go, well, if God can save them from that, then God can save me too. That's what we're meant to be. There are times where you will work behind the scenes and there are times where you're going to be front of stage for all to see. But you are a divine change agent. You are an undercover influencer. You, wherever you go, the light of God goes with you. Well, Craig, but you don't, you don't understand how dark the situation is. I may not understand how dark your situation is personally, but he who died on the cross and went to the darkest of darkest places, hell itself, and took the keys of life and death and defeated the devil once and for all, he understands darkness greater than I ever will. And he has said, not me, but he has said, you are the light of the world and you shine best in darkness you shine best in darkness you do God created you this is who you are you are salt of the earth you are the light of the world you are a Christ empowered influencer and your life will Make a difference. And I have people all the time say to me, what does God want me to do with my life? Just let the light shine. You don't have to do anything special. You don't have to go off to Bible college for 16 years and get yourself a doctorate in theology. 
You just need to let the light shine. The light that's in you, let it shine out of you. Let it shine through you. Season situations with your words. Salt of your words. Somebody's been negative, encourage them. Don't tell them off for being negative. Salt the situation with words of encouragement. Tell them things like, I think there's massive potential in your life. Yes, you've had failures, but you're not a failure. I remember talking to a guy once as part of our church, and he just had a moment, unfortunately. Uh, we just, he just lost the plot with his kids. All of us have been there, Yes. I don't know what it is about children. They just, they don't shine a light. They shine, they walk around like shining, make mum and dad angry, frustrate them, drive them insane, be lazy around the house and don't help out. Not, not your kids. Oh, not my, well, not my son. He's here. No, he's in switch, isn't he? My kids, yes. Don't you, this is what some of you do. I say something about my kids and then some of you, you grab them after the service and you snitch on me. And then I get in trouble at home. I just have one thing to say to you. Snitches get stitches. Don't snitch on me when I use them as illustrations. All right? But he lost the plot with his kids and over-disciplined them Physically. And he comes to me and he goes, I'm just a monster. I said, no, 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 you're not a monster. You had a monster moment, but you're not a monster. One moment does not make you that thing. Don't let the enemy tell you you can't be salt and you can't be light because of one moment where maybe you got a little bit wrong. Because here's the deal. Jesus died on the cross for those moments. And for you to let the enemy tell you that you can't do this for God because of that moment, what he's literally saying that Jesus' blood is not enough. And we all know that that ain't true, don't we? His blood is more than enough. Don't you believe that lie? Don't you believe that lie? Yes, he needed to apologize to his kids. Yes, he needed to bring about healing with his kids because he over-disciplined them. But the blood of Jesus is big enough for that. It's big enough for it. All your faults, all your failings, all the reasons why you've hidden your light, all the reasons why his blood is big enough for that. And when the blood covers that, then that light shines through the blood into the lives of those around us. And people will say things to you like, how are you coping? How is it that you're so happy? How is it that Your marriage is what it is. How is it that your kids are the way that they are? How is that? Because you know what they're seeing? They're seeing the light shining through. You're not a perfect parent. You're not a perfect husband. You're not a perfect wife. But when we let the blood of Jesus wash over all those faults, what people see is the love, the forgiveness, what Christ has done. That's what shines 
into the lives of others. Everything about our lives shines through the filter of the cross. And all he is saying here is just be a reflection of the sun. Don't run from darkness. Infect it. Transform it. Bring healing to it. Melt the hard hearts with the love of God, not with accusation, not with judgment. Let your light shine and let the salt permeate the world around you. Why don't we all close our eyes just for a moment. And I want to ask this morning, if you're here today and you're like, man, I... First thing is this, if you're here today and you're like, that is so the story of my life, that every time I go to step out and and do what God wants me to do, I hear this voice that just says, you can't do that because of all your faults and all your failings. First thing is, I want to pray for you because I want to break that lie off your life. If you pursue, the Bible says this, if you pursue righteousness, and life, you'll find love and prosperity and all those things. It's, it's the pursuit of God. It's not, it's not the perfection. It's the pursuit. And so while you're pursuing Him and, you're, and you're, when you fail and you ask for forgiveness, God cleanses all. He removes all your sins as far as the east is from the west. He throws them into the sea of forgetfulness. God doesn't remember the sins that you've repented of anymore. It's just the enemy that tries to remind you of your past because he's trying to bind you to your past because he's scared of what the future will bring him if you really get hold of God. And what you need to do is we need to pray and break that lie off your life because you are not what you have done. You're about who you are becoming and you're becoming the light of the world, the salt of the earth. You're becoming an ambassador. You're becoming a masterpiece. You're becoming all those things. It's who you are. It's who you are. And we're going to pray and break that lie off. And then maybe you're here and you're like, if I'm really honest with myself, I, I've been living under a bowl. I've let my light shine within church. I've let my light shine within my family. But if I was really honest with myself, anybody outside of that probably wouldn't even know I'm a Christ follower. And all I want to do today is I just want to take the bowl off. I'm not, I'm not asking you to get up and start preaching in your workplace. and start. With, I'm just saying, can we pray that God would just take the bowl off so that your light can shine? Just let your life shine. Don't need to say anything. You don't need to do anything. But we just let the light shine. If you're here today and you're like, man, one, I, I really need prayer because I, I believe that the lies that the enemy has said about me and I need, I need to break that off my life because I'm not who the enemy says I am, I'm who God says I am. I'd love to pray for you. And if you're here and you're like, man, I just need to take the bowl off and let the light shine, I'd love to pray for you too. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask you, if you're even one of those two people, while no one's looking around, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. And when I see your hand, I'll ask you to put it down. And then we're just going to pray for you. And so if that's you, if you're like, man, I need those lies broken off my life or I need the bowl to be lifted off my life. If that's you and you're like, Craig, would you pray for me that God would do that? Why don't you just lift your hand right now in this place? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. You can put your, you can put your hand down now. I just get the band and the singers to come up. That'll be awesome. Why don't we all stand to our feet? We're going to pray for those that have, lifted their hands. 
close your eyes just in this moment. Man, if, if you want, lift your hands to heaven. We can flick the lights off, guys, so that people just have some privacy. That would be awesome. We're going to pray for you, and, and then we're just going to sing just for a little bit. Father, we thank you. We come against every single lie of the enemy. Every single lie that has tried to pin us to our past failings instead of launching us into the future of what God has for us. We come against every single lie that tells us we're not good enough, that we've got too much sin or we've made too many mistakes or this is pointless, this is not going to work. Come against every single lie that the enemy has ever, ever spoken over people's lives. It might be for a parent, it might be for a teacher, it might be for a friend, it might even be for a spouse. Father, we, we don't come against the people that have said it. We come against the spirit behind it. The Bible says this, that the, the devil is the father of lies. It's his natural tongue. That's all he can do. He just lies. That's all he does. And so, Father, we come against every single one of those lies. And right now, we just break it. Right now, in Jesus' name. Break every single one of those lies. In Jesus' name, of people's lives. Right now. All the past stuff that has tried to hold on to them, we just break every single one of those lies. And right now, Father, we insert your truth, that they're an ambassador, that they're a masterpiece, that they're an overcomer, that they're the light of the world, that they're the soul of the earth. Father, we break off all the stuff that would say that they're not who you say that they are. And we step in and we say, I am who Christ says that I am. And if I've got my light hidden right now, Father, lift the ball off. Let people see what Christ has done in me so that you can do something through me into the lives around me. God, I'm not going to walk around acting like I've got it all together. I'm just going to let you shine through all the mistakes, all the faults that are covered by your blood. Father, we thank you right now that you're lifting bowls, that you're breaking lies. In Jesus, Jesus' name, right now. In Jesus.